Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it, Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Wednesday, May 20th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Mars, as always. Um, well, I got a bunch of different things to talk about. Um, I've been training my ass off, and uh, I guess I'll start off with a little bit of that. Last week, I put in six days straight of training. Uh took a rest day on Sunday and went right back at it on Monday. And, uh... You know, going at six days this week, too. I'm a little bit over a week away from my next race, so I'm going in full fucking force. Um, This week I started um, a different combination of pre-workout stuff. For the longest time I battled with this, and I know a ton of other people who have battled with the same situation, where the pre-workouts, you start out with the one scoop, and, uh, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's the C4 or whether it's the, uh, you know, whatever you're going with, you start out with the one scoop. You wind up with the two. I was at a, a steady three scoops on the C4. Um, Bull Knox, I, I like a lot. 
which is a very, very different feeling if you go with it. Um, uh, again, I kind of ended up more towards the three scoops of that the last time I took it. Uh, so you build up tolerance towards this other stuff, excuse me, and, um, you know, you wind up up-dosing and up-dosing just to get the same feeling. It's like, you know, like how they describe, like, fucking heroin use, for Christ's sakes. You're just trying to uh, chase the pre-workout dragon to get back to, uh, you know, the way it once made you feel type thing. And, um, you know, it's obviously not a good way to go. Um, I'm always very conscious of my decisions as far as my intake because the last thing you want to do is push yourself tremendously physically while you're poisoning your fucking body with supplements to try to enhance what you're doing. I mean you got to find some kind of balance where, you know, you're not harming, you're doing more harm than good. And, um, I mean, these things do have a ton of sugars in them, too. So, I mean, if you're piling two and three scoops every single day, eh, you know, I don't know. So I've always disliked the fact that I had the updose on this and, um, you know. So anyway, um what I what I started doing is uh, Bull Knox makes another uh, I think it's uh, what the fuck let me look at the actual uh, company name because the company is not Bull Knox it's um, Betting Court Nutrition and uh, they make another thing called D-Stunner and that is like an NO oxide, I, I believe it is um, supplement pre-workout as well and um, if you take that in combination with the Bolnox, you take one scoop of each as directed. You know, you don't you don't updose on any of this shit. The fucking the the rush off of that is intense, and I think it's far more beneficial to your training to do it like that. Uh, you get a lot more out of it, and um, I. So far, I'm not having any of that, uh, you know, tolerance build towards it where now I feel like I need to up-dose. I've already gone through, you know, three doses of the same thing. The first day was actually a little hard to handle. It was like, holy shit. You know, I had me on another planet and, um, you know, adjusted enough to it where it was, you know, a little more tolerable the next day. And um, But it, it didn't go down to this, you know, where I thought, okay, now I'm going to need to take more. So I'm yeah I'm feeling good off of that, and um, that you know right now right now that's what I'm recommending as far as uh you know pre workout type stuff. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, man, today just more of these fucking these uh these dudes in the gym really fucking annoying me. Um, I'm. I was doing legs today, so you know I was over there and I was doing the uh, the leg extension. And I was actually getting some pretty fucking good weight on that. I got up to um, 230 for like eight reps. Dude, I weigh 155, 160 pounds. Like, I'm fucking leg extensioning that type of weight. I'm, I'm fucking happy, man. You know, I built up. I start off from um, what I'll do first is I'll do like a single leg with like 70. And I'll do like. 15 or 20 reps of that and then I'll do it with the other single leg same thing and then I'll jump up to 150 so I'm adding a little more weight 
you know, than what I was doing with single leg on double leg. And then I just climb from there and do maybe a little less reps. Usually the first three jumps in weight that I do, like I'll go from that 150 to that 170 and I'll probably still hit the 12 or 15 reps that I was hitting. And then, um, you know, as I reached the 200, that's when I was doing a little more, you know, 210, I think was the next jump. That's when I hit, um, or 190. Anyway, when I got to like the 210, I probably hit like 10 reps, something like that. And then I said, all right, one more, one more, uh, set and fucking drop that pin one more time, 230 and hit eight reps on that. So I was really happy with that while doing that. I had these bitch-ass motherfuckers next to me where there's these two fucking dudes, and I just, such homosexual behavior, man. It's like, you got, the the leg curl is next to the leg extension, so that's what these dudes are doing. Now, instead of being a motherfucking grown man setting up the goddamn machine and doing the reps, now, fine, you bring another dude with you and you guys are going to work out together. I don't know. Do do what you do. That's fine. But you got one motherfucker with his legs up on the fucking thing and the other dude adjusting the leg thing for him and shit. Like, this is such a fucking joint effort. It's ridiculous. I got the headphones banging that fucking Riz shit, man, which I highly recommend. That shit is fucking crazy. So I got the headphones on banging that shit. And, and I'm doing, like I said, the weights I was talking about. And all of a sudden I hear... And, and it's this motherfucker doing leg curl of 130 motherfucking pounds with his boy, you know, setting up the fucking leg situation for him and shit. And I'm just like, these motherfuckers here, you know. And it's the same type of motherfuckers that shoot you that look to say, man, it is what it is. You know, I, I weigh 155, 160 pounds. I got no, no, um, you know, and I'm six foot one. So I got no qualms about it. I know I don't look like a big motherfucker, but, um, you know, I know when I get on some of these fucking machines, I'm moving some of these, uh, some of these weights. The motherfuckers, uh, you know, look a little bigger, ain't doing. I saw another little stupid motherfucker over here shooting looks. He was all Detroit lioned out. He had a Detroit lion shirt on and a Detroit lion hat on. You know, my favorite motherfucking flat brim, um, you know, crispy, fucking clean, non-sweated in fucking hat. And, um, God, that's just my motherfucking favorite it, when, when these people show up in these fucking hats, look like, look like they're still on the goddamn rack. And, um, you know, he's over there fucking shooting looks at people doing one arm curls on the fucking, on the machine, you know, the arm curl machine. It's more or less like a preacher curl, but with the machine, you could do a lot more. Like, I get ridiculous weight on that thing that I can't get with free free weights. But he's doing one-arm curl with fucking 40 pounds, looking around motherfuckers like he's bad. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> shit is crazy as hell. So, I don't know. I, I just, shit like that annoys me, man. I'm not in there grilling motherfuckers and trying to stare people down. And it's funny when you see the people who are, and they ain't doing shit as far as putting in work. So uh, that's just like I, I get a lot of um, 
satisfaction out of that. I do more smiling and laughing at motherfuckers in the gym and laughing to myself when you see motherfuckers shoot you that hard look and then you see what kind of shit they're moving on their side of things. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Step your goddamn game up before you, you know, decide that you want to try to stare somebody fucking down while they all amped up. Fuck out of here. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just hilarious to me. Um, that's the thing a lot of motherfuckers don't understand, man. Call it what it is, but, but I've been busting my ass, man. I'm on another fucking level. So if motherfuckers is, is doing some half-speed shit or dabbling in something like that, like, don't come at me with no bullshit. I, I think that's half of what bothers me, too, with a lot of these online motherfuckers. And I'm not, you know, naming anybody specifically, um... You know, the, I'm going to, you know, rant about a couple of things tonight, and it, it's not necessarily pertaining to the same people that I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, you get a lot of these fucking people with anonymous pictures on Facebook, you know, pictures of a motherfucking cartoon or some shit that says keep calm, something, 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 or, you know, a picture of another motherfucker that, that they're not related to. And, um, you know, they're they're the first ones to yap off and talk shit on Facebook and start, you know, throwing insults around and trying to be badasses on Facebook. And it's just, um, there's, there's no question in my mind that I'm on another level than these people. I don't know these people personally whatsoever, but in my opinion, if you don't have the balls to stand behind what you actually are as a person, to fucking at least have a picture of yourself while you talk all this type of shit. I mean, there's there's a lot of people. You'll see how they look. You'll know how they look. You'll know who they are. And back in the day, before um, you know, before there was the internet and all that, these are the people that just talk a lot louder on the phone than they do in person. This shit isn't new, but it's just gone to such a higher level on the internet side of things. It really has. I've always kind of speaking, you know, spoken my mind and, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't like what I got to say, but I mean, you're always going to hear how I feel out of me. You know, I don't say shit just to be a dickhead or anything like that, but I say things how I actually feel it. So, um, you know, I respect people who do the same. And if I don't agree with what they got to say, fuck it, man. That's, it's not your job to say shit that I want to hear. You know what I mean? And I feel the same way about how I think, you know, say things or think things. It's just nobody needs to be worried about my feelings. If you feel a certain way, fucking let it be known. But if you're just going out of your way on the Internet to try to troll people and, and talk shit to try to be, you know, you know, get people riled up and then go back into your, you know, your little private world where nobody even knows who the fuck you are. I don't know. Shit like that just annoys me. I didn't even mean to, you know, start talking about all that. But anyway, um, what's the first topic I want to hit tonight? Um, let me see. Scott Hall. Um, they had um, this uh, skate and surf festival over the weekend. JCW did uh, Jersey Championship Wrestling. And um, from what I heard, absolutely fantastic, um, you know, turnout. And the event was like a complete success. Um, Joey Janela had a main event. Uh, I think he he wrestled like three, four times, some shit like that on the day. Um, It was just 
wrestling all day long. They had like a concert thing set up. They had like the skate ramps and bike ramps and all that type type of stuff set up. Um, if I'm inaccurate on any of this, I wasn't there, so yeah, I'm just going off of the pictures I've seen and the reports I've seen. But um, you know, it was like you know all sorts of different entertainment going on all day long. Um, just like a big setup over in Asbury Park, I believe. And um, you know the the final match to close out all was um, Nick Gage versus Joey Janela that I gotta fucking see because um, you know I've said it a bunch of times. I really, really fucking feel this way. I see a lot of fucking Trent Acid in Joey Janela. He's got that fucking charisma. He's got that, um, you know, the guy will take a lot of fucking risks out there. He'll really put his body on the line for entertainment. And um, I don't know. I, you know, it's obviously there's not going to be another Trent Acid. I'm not uh, saying this is just the next coming of that dude, but you get a little bit of a, you know, that same type of feeling. So, I mean, maybe maybe the closest that we will get to a Nick Gage Trent Acid type of match again will be that type of thing with Joey Janela and, and the Gage. So um, it, it's just a refreshing type of character to see out there. And, you know, what he puts out there and his passion for the business is, is something else, man. You don't, um, you don't see a lot of people out there going, you know, above and beyond the way that he does every single show. Um, you know, it could be in front of fucking very few people and, you know, he'll go out there, wrestle twice, I did it in Brick. Uh wrestled a bunch of times over there and um and uh you know, I saw pictures of the final match. You jumping off of a fucking truck onto Gage. And um yeah, man. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh earlier in the show he did like a he ran across the top of Porta Potties and jumped off on um on Joe Gacy. Funny enough, inside one of the Porta Potties was um Jake the Snake Roberts, who um, he said when <laughs> he came out of there, like, rubbing his head and stuff, and then they, they had, like, a later on interview where he was there talking. He's like, yeah, he's like, I thought it was like that the world was ending, like there was an earthquake or some kind of natural disaster. I mean, next thing you know, the ceiling starts coming in on my fucking head. <laughs> it was just funny the way it went down. Um, but, yeah, um you know, overall, just a tremendous uh, event. Um, the one big negative, and, you know, it's none of their fault, is um, apparently Scott Hall is back uh, back off the wagon. And um, he was there for personal appearance. That's what they've been using him for. He hasn't been wrestling or anything like that on these cards. Um, and, uh, you know... They had to send him home. He was not. He was too drunk to do personal appearance slash autograph signings. So although, again, I wasn't there, you know, he must have been really fucked up to the point where they didn't think it was professional for him to sit there, sign autographs, shake hands, take pictures. So that's that's really fucking bad. Um now, I, I just, um, obviously, I have a pretty, you know, close tie to this, not not as far as knowing Scott Hall, because I don't know anything about the guy. Um, yeah, I always liked him as a wrestler quite a bit. I was really happy to have actually seen him in person and got a picture with him 
the other week in Brick. But, um, you know, as a, you know, former alcoholic. And I'm going to be doing that, um, you know, through the guys of a Tiger podcast, uh, my positivity podcast, on the um, the substance abuse, uh, alcoholism topic very soon. Because July will mark my two years of sobriety. So I'm definitely... You know, got a lot going on in my mind as far as my thoughts on this and that and different things that I've learned through my experience. So I'm definitely going to be going, you know, deeper into that. But um, what I can say, like, um, as I hinted at just there, as a former alcoholic, because in my opinion, I know I know the way of the um, the, the book or whatever they say with the uh, the programs, they say you're an alcoholic for life. And uh, they say you can't be a recovered alcoholic. You're always recovering. If, even if you're sober for 20 years, 40, 50 years, 60 years, you're still an alcoholic. Me, I choose to look at it a different way myself. I say that I used to be an alcoholic, right? And I'm an athlete. I'm a full-blown fucking athlete. That's what I am. I used to be an alcoholic. If I took one drink, I'd be an alcoholic because I have that tendency to be that. I don't consider myself an alcoholic because I don't drink, basically. So I understand, um, you know, those tendencies being in me, a lot of those people like to label things that way that you are an alcoholic because you possess those tendencies. Me personally, I refuse to let it define me for life. It's something that I've been through. I fought through it. I battled through it, and I deserve the title of a motherfucking animal, a fucking athlete, and uh you know, what I've turned myself into. And that's that's the fucking title I'll hold for the rest of my life. And uh, uh, drinking is manageable or, or uh, something I could do by any stretch of the imagination. I can't dabble in it, can't touch it. So if I took one drink, I'm immediately an alcoholic again. You know, that, that's the way I see things. But anyway, Scott Hall being a former alcoholic and, um, you know, getting off of it and heading down the DDP yoga path and, uh, you know, hooking up with DDP and all that. Um, it's all fine and good, but, um, not everybody makes it out of this shit. (laughs) And truth is, is most don't most fucking don't. And, uh, you know, it's great to see, uh, you know, Jake, you know, on the right path, and um it, it takes it takes a lot. It really, really takes a lot. Um I also and you know, so a lot of people might not like this opinion, but I don't think wrestling is a good place for sobriety. I really don't. To be within the wrestling business and it's not something that I'm in, but I don't think the wrestling business is a good place for sobriety. I just don't. It's a party type atmosphere. And especially when you're a big fucking star like Scott Hall, everyone wants to buy you a drink. Everyone wants to throw you something for free. You know, if you have an addiction, and not only do you not have to go out of your way to go find it, obviously, you know, um, recovering from something like that, there's always going to be some form of um, temptation. You can't avoid temptation. You have to be able to resist temptation. But, when you don't have to, oh, not only do you have to not go out of your way to get it, for the most part, you, you don't even have to fucking pay for it if you get a certain level of stardom. So that's that's got to be a million times harder. There's certain situations you have to remove yourself from completely. And uh, a fucking party atmosphere such as the wrestling business, 
I don't know. I don't know that everybody can still exist in that environment through sobriety. Apparently Scott Hall can't, and I'm not blaming wrestling or anything like that, but I I can't imagine that the environment was a, you know, a, a helping factor in the situation. I really I don't think so. I think that's a bad decision on his part to continue to, you know, tour around and show up everywhere where everyone wants to be his friend and everyone wants to buy him a drink and have fun with him. You know, uh, I just, I can't imagine. I just, I don't know. Um, I wish him the best. I hope he gets back on track, but it, it's a fucking shame. And the truth of the matter is, is most people don't make it out of that shit, especially when they've hit the lows that Scott Hall's hit, you know, lows that I was hitting, and, uh, fuck, man, I wish him the best, but it is a goddamn shame. So, what can you do? Um, we're, uh, solidifying all the, uh, all the, the specifics for this King of the Death match trip. And I'm very, very excited as we, we near this, uh, King of the Death match excursion. It's going to be me, um, I do Jeremy at the fucking wheel navigating this cruise. Um, the dude AJ, he lives around me, but I never met him. Um, and the legendary Whackpacker Hogan, who just uh, put down his uh, his own spin on Billy Jean t- today, as uh, as I saw on Facebook and shared. Um, so it's going to be a tremendous trip. Um, what it's gonna be from this? I've never had a, a wrestling trip like this, so this is this is something else. Especially fucking thirty-seven years old. I'm going to be leaving here, in Jersey, at midnight on Thursday to make it to Indiana around noon on Friday. You know, <laughs> crazy, crazy shit. We got the hotel booked two nights and um it it's gonna be fucking intense man i'm gonna try to do a yakuza on the road i'm definitely gonna do a yakuza on the road um featuring some fucking whack packer hogan in there we'll be filming videos all the way to fuck there and back uh it's gonna be a hilarious fucking trip gonna be one for the ages so um definitely stay tuned to everything leading up to and right on through that um, it's got to be fucking tremendous. Um, what else? What else? Um, oh, um, well, I, yeah, I guess I'll get into this. Um, I watched, um, I, I watch a lot of comedy, stand up comedy, uh, basically. It's pretty much the reason why I feel Netflix is kind of worth it because. I thought Netflix was going to have a lot more movies than they have. I think they're kind of limited as far as their movie uh, library. Maybe it's me because I'm super picky on the fucking movies I feel like watching. But um, the stand-up comedy, they have a lot of stand-up comedy on there. And there's people I never fucking heard of before. Uh, Chris Porter is one that I watched recently. And, um, you know, he did a bit that I thought was funny. I thought his whole stand-up was really good. Apparently, he... I think he won last comic standing or runner up or some kind of shit, but um, he starts off with a bit about Starbucks and more or less saying that, uh, you know, 
some of the people show up there and they don't know what the fuck they want. They want to ask, you know, other people, you know, what's this all about and what's out. And he said, you know, it's fine if you ask somebody else that works there, but don't ask me shit. There's some people who come here all the time. They're fucking fiending for some Starbucks and they're not up for your fucking questions. And, um, you know, he, He's talking about people holding him up in line. He's like, you know, pick a fu- pick a flavor, an Italian word, and move the fuck on. And um, it's funny because it kind of it reminded me of a situation I had recently. And um, I went to Starbucks after work, and um, this was a couple weeks ago, so this wasn't even like uh, you know like Halloween time or anything like that. I go in there. And there's there's a little bit of a line. Directly in front of me, teenage girls dressed to the tee of the two frozen chicks. Anna and Elsa. So they're dressed as this. They finally get to the front of the line. And now I've been waiting at least fucking ten minutes. So, you know, I just want my fucking big-ass coffee with the shots of espresso in it. And get the fuck it get the fuck on and um they start off with this spiel i want a mocha frappa fucking caramel fucking with the fucking uh whipped cream and a light and this and that and i want a grande and then it's like all right so the guy starts fucking totaling it up here's what it's gonna be okay now and i also want a, a black tea with, uh, you know, this and that in it, and I want that to be a vente. Okay. Oh, here, here's what, it's going to cost six something. Okay. Um, now she's looking at the fucking six dollars she has in her hand and goes, okay, well, that's not going to work. All right. So I want, no, no, I, I think at first she, she was like, she thought she could pull it off. She's like, all right, can I switch? Can I upgrade the other one to a venti as well? Okay, so then he, he totals it up at six something. Okay, I'm going to have to downgrade the one to uh, – now, see, my first impulse when I saw these two broads was – I would kind of want to take a picture of the two of them because my daughters, my twins are infatuated with the frozen movie, but then starts going through my mind. Like, you know, these are young, like teenage girls. I'm fucking standing here. I'm going to take a picture with my cell phone. Next thing you know, it's going to be this whole, Oh, it's fucking perverts taking, you know, pictures of fucking little girls in the fucking Starbucks and shit. So it's like, you know, I don't want to make this fucking thing weird. You know, what the fuck am I taking pictures of somebody else's kids for? You know, I, I'd be pissed off some fucking adult was taking a picture of my kids in public. So I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. So now I'm thinking, you know, you get to the fucking front of the line. I got to deal with this whole fucking frozen thing in front of me. I'm like, you know, I'm just thinking like if my girls are in the car, which they happen to be at home at the time, but if my girls are in the car, they bust your balls, man. You get back in the car, they're like, what took you so long? You'd love to tell them, like, Anna and Elsa fucking helped me up in the Starbucks. You know, that'd be something to tell them. Because they don't give a shit about what else I could tell them. But if I told them two of their favorite characters were holding me up in the fucking Starbucks, now, now we got something to talk about. You know what I mean? And if I had a picture, picture proof to back it up, you know, hey, <laughs> we got a little bit of a story going here. So 
I passed on the uh, picture thing, and, I, and I'm thinking, it's like going through the fucking money thing, and I'm just like, I just want to hand this broad a dollar so she gets the fuck out of here. But then I'm thinking, man, fucking hand her a dollar. I feel like at that point, I'm almost obligated. To, like, I feel like I earned to fucking take a picture of her to show to the kid, right? Now I'm thinking, what am I going to pay this kid for fucking pictures? I feel like that's getting even worse. So I'm going through this whole fucking thing in my head. I'm like, well, I just clearly that that makes it worse. Man, I'm paying this fucking child for a picture of him. Like, this is fucking weird. So this is just all that's going on in my mind. None of this is vocalized or actually, uh, you know, brought to uh, reality. And I'm just getting angrier as uh, as these thoughts are spinning in my head. Like, what the fuck? And uh, you know, I got to explain this to the twins. And um, you know, and then then she's you know she's upgrading, she's downgrading, upgrading, downgrading. Jesus fucking Christ. It, it is taking just a fucking lifetime, and uh, it, it's unbelievable. They're taking fucking selfies of, of themselves, standing in the fucking Starbucks line. There's like 18 fucking people, including me, directly behind them. It, it was just unbelievable, unfucking believable. But like I said, him bugging out about Starbucks and people in front of him really reminded me of that. So I just wanted to, you know, run that little fucking story out there. As uh, pretty fucking funny. Um, speaking of comedy. Louis C.K. was on uh, this this past week's SNL, and he did a um, he did a uh, his monologue. Louis is an edgy comic, um, and he's always been an edgy comic, and that's that's you know that's his bread and butter. That's what he does. He's very fucking good at it. Um, I think he's a hilarious comic. The only comic I enjoy more than Louis C.K. is Bill Burr. Anybody who knows me knows that. Um, the sensitivity always, always sets in whenever a comic does something these days. And it's fucking crazy to me because at this point, it's everybody. It's not just, you know, it used to be like, oh, some fucking, you know, 55-year-old woman saw fucking uh, Saturday Night Live and got offended over one of the jokes, and now, you know, this this chick or this fucking soccer mom or this, uh, you know, old church-going lady, she wrote a letter to fucking NBC because she saw a joke that she felt was off-color and this and that. It's not even fucking that anymore. It's motherfuckers running around with fucking... I love fucking death metal and the devil's fucking awesome and 666 is my favorite number and fucking I love deathmatch wrestling and death metal and fucking I love fucking demons and that joke really offended me. What the fuck is going on? I cannot stand the pussification of shit and people are like, that was really disgusting. Uh, Child molestation is not funny. Like, pedophiles are not funny. Okay, right. Yeah, the actuality of a fucking child molester is not funny. Yeah, got it. I'm pretty sure Louis C.K. agrees with you. But when it becomes, it's disgusting to joke about, um, you know, pedophiles. Okay, then I'd imagine, like, rape jokes are off the table, right? Because, like, rape is a disgusting act, right? Um, Okay. Well, I mean, like, how many how many times are jokes thrown out about killing someone? Like, oh, you know, throw that motherfucker off a bridge. Like, oh, well, that's that's not a good act either. I mean, there's people out there that actually got killed in these ways that we're joking about. So, what about the families of the people who've gotten killed? 
what about that? I mean, race jokes, wow, that's not funny because, well, racial, you know, racial stuff has really gone down. What about slavery and this and that? Oh, fucking, you know, people joke about the Holocaust, the terrible things that went on in the Holocaust. You can't joke about that. Okay, we, you know, I mean, you, you can't joke about uh, what the fuck can you joke about? If we're going to get sensitive and butthurt over every little fucking thing, the same motherfucker screaming 666, which... Let me get let me get this fucking clear, right? The devil, six six six, all that shit is cool, skulls are awesome, all those things are really fucking cool, right? Um, in case you didn't know, I mean I'm not that close to the subject. But all that devil shit stands for evil, pure evil. That shit supports fucking child molestation and murder and fucking women being beaten. That's what evil is. Evil isn't just cool music. Evil evil isn't just like, this music is really cool. That's evil. No, that's not really fucking evil. That's music. Evil is all the most terrible things that fucking happen in the world. I'm not into that shit personally, but when 666 becomes your favorite fucking number, and then you also turn around and you're offended at motherfucking jokes, I have a problem with a little bit of the hypocrisy that you're living. I'm not offended by jokes. I just don't see the coolness behind the devil shit. You know what I mean? That's just me. I'm not offended by it, but it's not really my road to walk, you know? So anyway, I'm going to play Louis C.K.'s thing. It's almost 10 minutes long. Listen to the fucking thing. Give it a laugh. Give it a listen. Give it a, you know, whatever the fuck you want to feel about it. But this this is the thing that, you know, and he even said during his thing, Hey, go ahead. You know, how do you think I feel? This is probably my last appearance. You know, he knows going, you know, into what he's doing. And just check it out. I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, Louis C.K. I, hi. <laughs> a little early for that. I, well, thank you very much for being here. This is the uh, 40th year of this show's existence, and this is the finale, so I'm very honored, honestly, to be asked to host it. So thanks, and I'm glad you guys are here. Um, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I was born in 1967, and so I grew up in the 70s. So I'm not racist. However, I do have mild racism. It's the best I could do coming out of the 70s because that was a very racist decade. People said racist things all the time, and nobody got offended. The only time somebody got offended if you said something racist in the 70s is when they would then say, like, hey, I, you interrupted me. I was saying something racist. Why did you? But, so I have mild racism. It's benign. It's not aggressive. It's not even negative racism. It's mild racism. I'll give you an example. Okay, like, see, like if I go uh, to a, a pizza place I've never been to before, and it's run by four black women, I'll go like, uh, hmm, 
Four black women running pizza places. <laughs> unless, unless it's called Four Black Girls Pizza or something like that. Like that's the whole point of the place. It's mild. Here's another example of mild racism. If I say I'm in a hospital and the doctor comes in to treat me, and the doctor's from China or India, I'll think, well, good, 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 more of that. Why not? Very mild racism. Here's another example. If I'm in a gas station late at night. And uh, a, young, a young man comes in wearing a hooded sweatshirt. If he's white, I'll think, oh, he's an athlete. If he's black, unless he has a big smile on his face, then I become mildly racist, and this is what I think. I think, that's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. No, of course I'm fine. Why did I even think that for a second? <laughs> Because I was, I was raised in the 70s. The 70s were a very different time. The 70s, everything was different in the 70s than it is now. Except the Middle East is exactly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same as it was in the 70s. It's been the same fights. And you know what? It's boring now. That's the worst part of it. When I was a kid, we were like, ugh, but you can't go like this for like a thousand years. <laughs> After a while, when you fight, people don't care because when you're just both, you just keep fighting. Everybody's like, those guys are dicks. They just fight. That's what it's like. <laughs> you know, like I have two kids and they fight sometimes. And when they first start fighting, I get concerned. I go in their room. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? Why are we having some feelings? <laughs> can, we, can we listen to each other, please? Can we please just listen to each other? Okay, you go first. And then she goes, she's like, Hmm, yeah, that sounds hard. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, now you. Because I like this one a little more, so I'm going to And they work it out. You help them work it out. But if they keep fighting, you stop doing that. After a while, you just go in the room and you just go, hey, just shut up. Fuck you. You're both wrong. Because he won't stop fighting. You're in a family. There's other people in this family, and you're being a couple of selfish little bitches that won't fix anything. <laughs> you share a room. We can't afford another room, so just deal with it. Somehow this has to do with Israel and Palestine. I don't know exactly. I don't remember how. It is because my kids are like Israel and Palestine, and I'm like America. The little one's like Palestine because she always gets screwed. She gets the worst deal. She's like, she threw a rock at my face. I'm like, you're, you're fine. <laughs> Look, you, you have a great life. You get to take a rock to the face once in a while. You're fine. <laughs> the older one is like Israel. She comes up to me. She burnt all my dolls. I'm like, Look, I can't do anything about it right now. <laughs> Your sister is crazy. Please don't make me talk to her. I'll work it out, you and me, okay? We'll go out. I'll buy you a really cool missile, and you do whatever you want. Whatever you do with it, totally up to you. The 70s were very different. When, in the 70s, there was a child molester that lived in my hometown. 
And it wasn't a big deal. It was like, we caught a child monster. It was just like, yeah, that's the house where the child monster lives. He lives where, hey, kids, be, don't be stupid or you'll get molested. Just stay away from the child molester house. I know because he did something to me when I was your age. So just stay away from the child molester house. We, were, we had a town child molester. His name was Jean Baptiste. This is a true story. And he, he liked teenage boys. That's when you would find out, because I was a teenage boy. He didn't like me. I, was, I felt a little bad. Like, no, not you. He, was, he didn't, it wasn't into me. But he would drive up next to teenage boys, and he'd say, uh, Hello, would you like to go to McDonald's? And you're like, No. And he's like, Why you don't like McDonald's? And then you're trapped, because of course everybody liked McDonald's. It was the 70s. And then I had one friend who used to get in the car. He'd be like, sure, I'll go. And he'd get in the car. He'd go to McDonald's and eat a burger. And then he'd say, see ya. And he'd just take off. And John Baptiste was like, oh, and boiled again. But he'd always try. Maybe this time. Because child molesters are very tenacious people. They love molesting childs. It's crazy. It's like their favorite thing. I mean, when you can, it's so crazy because when you consider the risk in being a child molester, speaking not of even the damage you're doing, but the risk, there's no worse life available to a human than being a caught child molester. And yet they still do it, which from, you can only really surmise that it must be really good. I mean, from their point of view, from their, not ours, but from their point of view, it must be amazing for them to risk so much. How do you think I feel from my last show, probably? Look, I can't key into it because I love Mounds Bars. I love Mounds Bars. It's my favorite thing, right? But there's a limit. I mean, I, I can't even eat a Mounds Bar and do something else at the same time. That's how much I love them. Like, if I'm eating a Mounds Bar, I can't read the paper. Like, hmm. Mm. I have to just sit there with it in my mouth and go, why is this so good? I love this so much. And because they are delicious. And yet, if somebody said to me, if you eat another Mounds Bar, you'll go to jail and everybody will hate you, I would stop eating them. Because they do taste delicious, but they don't taste as good as a young boy does and shouldn't. To a child monster, not to me. Not to us, because we're all awesome. All right, we did it. We got it. Yeah, so so that's what it was all about. And personally, like I said, I thought it was fucking hilarious. I'm a huge Louis C.K. fan. And um, that that's what everybody's so fucking offended about. You can guarantee every time a comedian goes out there and does their motherfucking job and there's a bunch of bullshit fucking backlash over it, you can guarantee I'm going to play it on my show and put it over that's just, I I fucking support and I back up fucking comedians. That's what I do. I, I just, I, I don't see the fucking bullshit, legitimate fucking emotional fucking sensitivity and just fucking fragility. Everybody's so fucking fragile these days. 
it's it's so it's so ridiculous. I I can't fucking stand it. It's it's one of the things that irks me the fucking most is when people get so fucking fragile over fucking words, and and comedians are supposed some of the worst possible things to bring some form of light and humor to a situation that is otherwise terrible. That's what a comedian does. How many comedians made 9-11 jokes? Does that make 9-11 funny? No, it doesn't. So to, to make the fucking statements that child molestation is not funny, of course it's not. Of course it's not. Neither is rape. There's tons of rape jokes. And half of the fucking people who are offended have another one of those things that are terrible that they don't have a problem with joking about. But this is the, this is where the line is drawn. Get the fuck out of here. Go fuck yourself in your line. Go lay on that line and fuck yourself. I, I just... I can't fucking stand it. So the WWE had a pay-per-view on Sunday. Um during Greg Excellent. That's uh that was the highlight of the night for me was seeing Greg Excellent do the John Zandig taunt behind Roman Reigns coming down the stairs. Um you know, uh, it wasn't my favorite pay-per-view. Um number one, the biggest thing to me was we didn't really the uh the actual product, but more so that this this one had more lagging to me, you know, coming through my network than anybody uh than any other time that I've watched a WWE pay-per-view on the network. Um, I mean, I guess I lucked out because I've seen a lot, a lot of fucking WWE pay-per-views that are streaming perfectly fine for me and saw tons of people going, this shit is lagging, this shit is lagging, and I sat there thinking, well, it's working fine for me. So I think I've been relatively lucky because I really haven't had quite the problems that other people have complained about. This one I absolutely did. Um, you know, every couple minutes you would just get a completely frozen screen and you had to wait for it to be pretty much unpaused by, you know, the lag so they could finish doing whatever move they were doing. And it just, yeah, man, it just kills the momentum of something. You know, someone's got somebody up for a move and then it just, and you just watch somebody stand there. I mean, I guess for the people who are infatuated with psychology, those were good, solid rest holds that people were uh, probably just bathing in the fucking glory of a fucking rest hold. Because some, some people really, really feed off of that, more so than they do an exciting thing in a match. But um, a um, couple small things I'll point out uh, about the night. Uh, one... R-Truth and Stardust, I watched this match, and um, R-Truth, and I and I like R-Truth, but this fucking guy is such an enormous stereotype, it's ridiculous. You know, the, the fucking, you know, the, doing the um, fucking whoop, there it is, after he does the what's up thing and gets everybody what's up, and that whoop, there it is, like, dude, that shit was like fucking 25 years ago. Are we fucking seriously doing this? Like, what the fuck is going on? And then, you know, R-Truth gets the win, which I was actually surprised and happy about. And then R-Truth is so stereotypical that it rubs off on other random people. Like the, I don't know what the blonde uh, 
white chick's name is, but like they go back to the panel up there with Booker and everybody, and like our truth wins. They go back up there, and the shit rubbed off on her, and she goes, "Man, our truth wasn't having none of that." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh god damn it! This shit is filtered right through the fucking headsets into her into her brain." Our truth wasn't having none of that trash. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> this is what it does. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just um, the Damien Sandow shit, the uh, Macho Mandow thing. It's just fucking hilarious. Um, I, you know, I really don't think Sandow can outdo Jay Lethal's Macho Man. Uh, I think pretty much for all of eternity, I, I don't think anyone's gonna do better than Lethal's Macho Man and Lethal's Flair. I don't think you're going to find much better than, than the impressions that he's done. But um, uh, Damien Sandow does fucking unbelievable. He does the big fucking eyes, the bugged out eyes and shit. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Curtis Axel actually seemed to turn on a little bit of the um, entertainment, I guess I'll say. Because I've never found that guy entertainment uh, entertaining at all. He um, has just been coming out for a while now, I think. Because I haven't really watched any Raw, but he's been coming out for a while now with the um, just the Axelmania shirt, like no other gimmick, nothing, just a red shirt with the you know Hulkamania logo. This is Axelmania. That that was the extent of it. And he actually came out in you know full gimmick with the the whole shit, the boa and everything. So I thought that was good, and um, yeah, it was entertaining. I don't like the Ascension. They're just, they're not for me, man. I just don't think that they're very good. Um, So, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully somebody enjoys them out there, but it's not me. Um, I I tuned out for a lot of this pay-per-view. I really did, because it uh, just, like I said, with the freezing and this and that, and I just started doing other shit. So, uh Seamus won, the New Day won, uh, Bray Wyatt won, and um, this brought us to uh, Rusev Cena. And uh, I-, I thought this was good. This is an I Quit match. I thought this went really well. I Quit matches to a certain extent get kind of annoying because they ask him every other move, you know, do you quit? Do you quit? Nah, I mean, it gets kind of annoying. You know, goddamn well, two minutes into the match, nobody fucking quits. So just because he suplexed them on the floor or something, I know, you know, by some standards, you kind of have to ask, but come on, man. This shit is fucking annoying. You've asked him 24 times before it would even be believable to the fans that the match would be over. Like, there's no way the match would end for the first 15, do you give up? Do you give up? You know, 15, 20 of those. Um, so, again, I get it because you kind of have to to keep the gimmick going. It's irritating, at least, uh, you know, audibly. So, um, it is what it is, man. But it was a great match, I think, overall. I really think the Rusev Cena feud has gone really well. And to segue a little bit, because I didn't watch Raw, but I did see, um, you know, the uh, the Kevin Owens thing um enough with the fucking john cena sucks and he can't wrestle that's a bunch of bullshit he's one of the absolute best in the business the fucking guy is the flagship for fucking the wwe john cena is pro wrestling's tom brady that's more or less what he is he's a fucking guy 
who is fucking way richer than all you guys. He, he's fucking, he may not be your favorite player. He may not be the guy who's on your fucking team. And, you know, hey, man, his gimmick doesn't really cater to me either. I, I'm not a fan of John Cena's gimmick or, you know, exactly everything he does in the ring. But the fucking guy can hang with anybody you put him in there with. He's had great fucking matches with Punk, great matches with Daniel Bryan. Um, he, he's fucking torn it up with all these fucking young guys. And if you look at what John Cena is doing right fucking now, this fucking guy took a lower spot on the card to number one, make that fucking U.S. title mean something again, which he has. Number two, he's wrestled fucking Adrian Neville. He's wrestled fucking Sami Zayn. In Sami Zayn's home, where you knew motherfucking well, the face, the company guy, John Cena, was not going to play the fucking face role, and he just ate that shit up and let fucking Sami Zayn take that fucking spotlight in his house. Who the fuck does that? Triple H don't do no dumb shit like that. Triple H comes out of fucking quasi-retirement just to bury a motherfucker like Punk every time he feels like he needs a little ego boost. Fucking John Cena comes and fucking puts guys like that over who haven't had two blinks in the fucking main show. Hasn't even fucking showed up on Raw. Hasn't had any type of shine. Says, bring him in. I'll have a fucking toe-to-toe competitive match with this fucking guy who hasn't been here 10 fucking minutes. That's what fucking John Cena does. So motherfuckers need to start respecting John Cena and the work he fucking puts out there. Because all these people that want to play fucking super cool fucking podcaster, Cena sucks. Cena can't fucking wrestle. You know, and all these little dickheads want to John Cena sucks. Can't all that funny shit you want. He's still one of the best in the motherfucking business. He's a fucking flagship. He's a guy that can hang their fucking hat on, sell fucking merch out the asshole. The fucking guy sells millions and millions of dollars in merchandise. And when it comes down to it, he doesn't have to do a whole lot in that motherfucking ring. He sure as shit doesn't have to show up and let fucking Kevin Owens knock him the fuck out and look like a champ. Kevin Owens can get on the fucking mic in front of a guy like John Cena and tell him, you don't get to tell me shit because I've been doing this longer than you. What the fuck, what superstar on the main fucking roster, especially the status of John Cena, would have a humble enough mind to allow that fucking promo to go down on national fucking TV? Now, John Cena's going to get over or whatever, but he's going to have a fucking competitive match with Kevin Steen on motherfucking extreme, uh, what the fuck, elimination chamber. And that right there is putting a motherfucker like Kevin Owens over, just like he put Sami Zayn over like a motherfucker. To talk about wins and losses, you could talk about how many times that he's been in the ring with Randy Orton and how many times he's won the title and this and that. Why? Because as far as a company guy goes, he's fucking earned every bit of everything he's ever get he's ever gotten. That's why. Because he's the fucking guy they can rely on. Did he fucking go in there, and, you know, and, and win the title a million fucking times because he was booked that way? Of course he did. Is he the fucking guy that's still there when Punk's gone? And I'm a bigger Punk fan than I am a Cena fan. But listen, Punk's gone, probably never coming back. Who's still the fucking guy who's still standing selling fucking T-shirts for the company? John fucking Cena. So, I mean, you guys, you got your priorities all fucked up. I don't know how many one of uh your favorite wrestler is he has to go out there and wrestle before you realize that this motherfucker is the star. 
I mean, you know, these other guys might be the future, but it's going to be a torch passed by fucking John Cena because he's humble enough to fucking do it. He does the right fucking thing for business. You know, I just, I can't, I can't be more appreciative about what the fuck he's been doing lately and the guys he's been putting over and the way that he's, he's brought himself to a lower point on the card to make that point on the card mean more than the top because he doesn't need the fucking top spot. The place he's being booked now is so much better for the fucking company and he could just as simply just sit on top like he's been sitting on top. Book me against Orton. Okay, fucking Roman Reigns is the guy. Good, book me against Roman Reigns. Book me against it. And sure, he'll wind up in the main event again. I'm not saying he's, you know, perennial mid-carder now, but this fucking guy is still a main... He's still main event Cena on the mid-card. It doesn't... He's already solidified his spot where he doesn't need to be booked on a certain place on the card, and he could put anybody over he wants as far as not even taking a loss. Just a competitive match with a guy that the WWE audience minus the indie fans have never heard of. Period. So, shout out to that motherfucker, man. I'm sure he listens to my show. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he's John Cena is the Tom Brady of wrestling. He, he's everybody's fucking favorite guy to hate and the most successful motherfucker that everybody, you know, wants to see fail. So, that's uh, that's that dude. You know, remember when he had a fucking baseball on his motherfucking elbow? And I don't give a fuck what HGH or whatever else he took to get back in the ring in a record amount of time. This motherfucker had like a fucking, he had like a mutant child growing out of his fucking elbow. And the fucking guy was back on TV in like fucking three weeks. Come on, man. This fucking guy lives the business more so than a lot of fucking people out there. So, you know. But anyway, um, main event was um, fucking, uh, that was the four-way of Dean Ambrose, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. It was a pretty good match. They uh, they teased the uh, the Shield reunion type thing. I thought that was a really cool spot they did. They had Roman Reigns, you know, um, everybody turned on Randy Orton. Um, Ambrose and Rollins put uh, Randy Orton up on uh, Roman Reigns to to do the triple power bomb thing, and then they went to you know, hey, big Shield moment, and they both turned back on Rollins, and uh, you know he ended up getting the win with the pedigree. Now I don't watch it enough to really know. I had heard rumblings and whatever talk about um, banning of the the curb stomp. I don't know because. Some of the things I heard online was saying that it was legitimately banned and they were talking about the impact of it and maybe because it was called curb stomp and this and that. I don't know if that's a legit thing. If it is, that's really upsetting. Um, I mean, my my initial feeling is that it's a work because they just had banned the RKO and he was just fighting fucking Randy Orton and then the next thing you know, they banned his finishing move. So, to me, it sounds like a fucking gimmick. If it's not, again, it's, it's pretty upsetting. But, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't really know. But he finished with a pedigree. So, you know, it, you know, storyline kind of ties together where, to me, it seems like a, like a work. But anyway, who knows? 
Um, so that's that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all I got for the WWE thing. Um, like I said they're doing this elimination chamber thing in like fucking two weeks. They're doing these pay per views pretty uh pretty frequently. So uh, going on there. I'll take another break. I got some more stuff to uh, rant and rave about. Uh, here, here's one of them tracks from that uh, Nas Rizza joint. Um, what the fuck is the name of that album now? Shit, I've already forgot. Um, God damn it. I'll pull it up while I listen to this. But um, the the whole album is more or less old Wu-Tang beats, classic Wu-Tang beats, and classic Nas, you know, tracks. Like, you know, uh, Nas lyrics over classic Wu-Tang beats. So, you know, nothing nothing brand new there, um, but just absolute fire. I thought it was done really, really well, put together well. And, you know, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Allow me to demonstrate the skill of Shao Mei. And I 
I'm amped up. They locked the champ up, even my brains in handcuffs. Headed for Indiana, stabbing bitches like the Phantom. The crew is lamping, ill will style. Check the go-to smell, plus I'm profile wow. Stab through the flock, clothes, burning dollars. I like my soul, walk the block with a box. Check the game, plus the game people play. I check the game, plus the game people play. What's the problems of the world today? Yeah, there you go. It's um the name of the mixtape is called Severe Punishment: The Lost Chamber, and it's like I said, all um you know, Nas lyrics over old classic Wu beats and um fucking fire, man. Uh, check that shit out. Put that shit in your uh, your workout playlist right there. That 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 album is fucking crazy. Um, all right, here's one of the two things I want to rant about. Um. Not one of these fucking shows that uh you know goes, What do I rant about tonight? Well let's try you know, no, I just I, I fucking know what I, I feel. If some shit pisses me off, I wanna talk about it. And this is some shit that I touched on before and motherfuckers won't leave this shit alone. They won't fucking put this shit away. Every time a motherfucker who gets a little bit of a you know a good feeling about what it's saying re-fucking-shares it. It's shared and shared and loved and beloved by all the motherfuckers in current CZW. This is an article written by this fucking dickhead. Let me get his fucking name. Let me figure out if I can find his name. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, Steve something? I don't know. This fucking guy. Anyway, this fucking guy writes this article. And it's called Why You Are, and then it says probably like in, a, you know, parentheses, why you are probably wrong about CZW. And um, here's the thing. If this article, and, it, you know, he, he wrote it out really well. He put a lot of thought into it and all that. So by that standard, okay, I get it. I get where you're going. But it's factually extremely flawed. There's so much of CZW's history that is completely rewritten by this fucking guy who wants to put over the current CZW. Um, I have to preface this again by saying I'm a fan of the current CZW. I'm a fan of a lot of things that DJ Hyde has done with the company. I'm a fan of the product that's going on right now. The best of the best that just happened was one of the best, the best, best of the best that's ever, it's a lot of best, um, one of the best, best of the best tournaments that has, has ever happened. Fantastic fucking show. I'm looking forward to a lot of what's coming up for CZW. Now, having said that, my favorite time in CZW was the old school CZW, that 2001, 2002, 2003. Those years of CZW had such an aura behind it. There was so much it had to offer. I'm not looking for this current CZW to become that CZW at all. I'm not going to blame the CZW. I'm not going to be angry or upset about this CZW not being that CZW. There was a time where I felt that way, where I was like, why can't it be like it used to? And I just couldn't get fucking past it. I'm beyond that now. My only fucking hang-up, and this is, this is um, 
This is the problem with these fucking fans. This is the problem with, like, that, that bitch-ass fan who I, um, I'm sure I'm going to have words with next time I see him, um, with the fucking paragraph written out on his shirt about uh, DJ CZW and this and that, and the old fans are ruining this CZW and all this bullshit and fucking... Uh, you know, fucking walking around a grown-ass man with fucking signs that say the old CZW was shitty and all this. The motherfucker's a troll, first off. But second off, my problem is the new fans that want to claim CZW for their own and more or less discard the history of CZW. They want to They want to rewrite the history of CZW to be nothing but garbage until DJ showed up and then start explaining why this CCW is for them. The old one, they couldn't stomach that garbage. And this is the fucking, this is the, the, the stigma that is being carried out by bullshit articles like this. This fucking article, again, if this was written in a way where it defended CCW's overall image from day one till day now, the same arguments can be made. The same arguments can be made in in the light of, hey, CZW isn't all about just death matches. It's not just about Nick Gage versus Nick Mondo in a no-roll barbed wire. It's not all about Danny Havoc versus Matt Fremont in a fans bring the weapons match. You have, you know, you have the Briscoes, you have the SATs, you have... Trent Acid, you you know, the back seats, you got the blackout, you got so many things. Oh, and then in the current day, I mean, you got, you know, the juicy product, you you got, I mean, you have so many of these different guys that you can call the wrestling part of the company, but that same thing applied back then. Motherfuckers swear to God that the only thing that involved wrestling-wise back then in this article, the fucking guy says Trent Acid is the only thing. Besides Trent Acid, that is the bun- the biggest bunch of bullshit. And again, if it kisses DJ's ass and said, DJ invented wrestling, so thank God for him because all that deathmatch shit that they were doing before, bullshit. DJ's going to fucking clap his hands and share, share, share. And everybody who wrestles on the cards now, share, share, share. But let's fucking completely... Ignore the fact that they throw that old company directly under the bus. Here's one one little portion of a paragraph here. CZW's original owner, John Zandig, sold the company in 2009. With Zandig's exit, the new era was ushered in for CZW. The company was purchased by another CZW wrestler, DJ Hyde. Hyde had a vision for CZW that he hoped would take on an Take it to new heights that Zandig CW can only aspire to reach. DJ Hyde had planned to scale back the company's reliance on death matches and further accentuate the amount of pure wrestling. Uh, accentuate the amount of pure wrestling and talent on the roster. Okay, so that's that's what he just wrote, and. The problem I'm having with that is that's not a fucking fact. 
because CZW still relied on deathmatch wrestling to get itself over, so much so that the best of the best, which was like was a wrestling tournament that started back in 2001 when John Zandig ran the company. In 2001 was when John Zandig started Best of the Best. And that was a wrestling company. So, I mean, you understand that that, that's a fact. And the first year that Best of the Best was not hosted was the first year DJ Hyde owned the fucking company. And DJ Hyde on my show said he didn't feel he his wrestling roster was strong enough to do the on that roster were wrestlers like Adam Cole, Rich Swan, Alex Cologne, Sammy Callahan, AR Fox, B Boy, Mox, Gulak, Ego, Jeez. All these motherfuckers were on the roster, but according to DJ, he didn't have enough fucking wrestlers to run best of the best that year. So he had to wait till the next year so he could fly in a bunch of motherfuckers because he had no confidence in his own roster being fucking wrestlers. And that's some bullshit. I said it was bullshit then, and I'll tell you the bullshit again now. But according to motherfuckers like this, DJ Hyde knew what wrestling was all about. All right, so then the next thing that'll fucking hit a nerve with me Aside from Trent Acid, most of CZW's top stars under Zandig were icons of the deathmatch genre. Men like Nick Gage and Necro Butcher and White Beater and Nick, Sick Nick Mondo and Justice Payne are great performers. However, none should be considered great Mac technicians. DJ Hyde CZW looks much different now. Some of Hyde's top stars include... Adam Cole, John Moxley, Sammy Callahan, the Eagle Robert Anthony, Drake Younger, and Brody Lee. Outside of Adam Cole, all of those motherfuckers were brought in by John Zandig. This is why this article is garbage. Absolute fucking garbage. All those people were brought in by John fucking Zandig. And I think Adam Cole might have still even been in the CZW training facility when Zandig was still there. I could be wrong on that one. Like I said, that's the only one that I'll give him a little bit of a pass. Everybody else was brought in by John motherfucking Zandig. So to just rewrite history and say, this is what DJ has. Zandig had the Necro Butcher and Wife Beater and Mondo, but DJ has Drake Younger and Brody Lee and the Ego Robert Anthony and Sammy Callahan and John Moxley and go fuck yourself. You non-knowing motherfucker, you ignorant-ass bitch that you write these fucking article and talk about the stigma of fucking CZW and all this shit. And, and it, uh, you know, and he even says this shit. Even though with the likes of Moxley and Sammy Callahan, etc., moved on from CZW, CZW is still filled to the brim with very talented wrestlers who excel in traditional wrestling. Drew Gulak, Black G's, the Chris Brothers, Joe Gacy. Oh, that's weird, because Drew Gulak, fucking Black G's, fucking veterans of CZW. Absolute fucking veterans of CZW. Whoa, wait a minute. They were there when John Zandig was there. Let's not talk about that the fact that those wrestlers existed in CZW when John Zandig ran the company. Let's just say that 
thank God for DJ because he has wrestlers like the Black Keys and Drew Gulak. This is why this article is a bunch of horse shit. And I'm tired of these motherfuckers trying to pretend. And yes, yes, CZW should be looked at as more than just deathmatch wrestling. But that's not because of what DJ made it. That's because of the fucking what stands out. What fucking stands out? Fucking 200 by two deathmatches, torn him into fucking death. You know, oh, people only saw a fucking, uh, you know, a highlight video of Nick Mondo and Nick Gage and, and no rope barbed wire. Okay, what if they just saw a highlight video of Matt Tremont versus fucking DJ Hyde? What if they just saw DJ Hyde versus Thumbtack Jack? What if they saw, I mean, let's, let's, also involved the owner of the company, who's such a fucking wrestling genius that he hasn't put on an entertaining wrestling match himself in the history of his fucking career. I mean, he'll tell you differently. He'll tell you way fucking differently. But just because Sammy Callahan could hit him really fucking hard throughout a match, and that's entertaining because people want to see him hit hard, that doesn't make DJ Hyde a good or entertaining wrestler. That That's not the same thing. I know that's a whole separate discussion, and we will get into a discussion about wrestling as well in just a minute, but um, as far as this fucking article goes, I'm so tired of the people fucking licking the back of his fat nutsack because they want DJ to fucking like them and go, look, we're we're fucking trying to help improve the image of CZW because DJ Hyde has done so much for the betterment of the company and wrestling has been taken to such a higher level because DJ Hyde understands wrestling in a way that John Brandon never... Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. There is so much old school fucking CZW. Like I said, go back to the original fucking best of the best. Briscoe versus fucking Briscoe. Winger in that fucking tournament. Minaro Fujita coming in back then. Reckless Youth was in back then. The fucking Briscoes were back, were there before they were in fucking Ring of Honor. The SATs, the Amazing Red, all fucking CZW guys. Brian XL, Quiet Storm, all those fucking guys killing it in the fucking ring. Killing it. You know what I mean? But, you know, Nick Burke back then, fucking killing it. But nobody wants to recognize that shit. People just go, oh, fucking deathmatch. There was a point in fucking Sewell, they couldn't do fucking buckets of blood. They couldn't do barbed wire. They got to the point where they couldn't do glass. They had to go to Delaware to do that. Their regular fucking stomping grounds was a place that they couldn't do fucking deathmatches. But no, no, the company was only built off of fucking deathmatches. You're fucking idiots. You're unintelligent, uninformed fucking idiots. You want to rewrite history because you want to be the fucking special one with the fucking opinion on CZW. It's a company that you don't know shit about. Why don't you just say, I don't know fucking, I don't know a goddamn thing about CZW before I started going in such and such a year, but I really like the product they're putting out now. Start with that type of statement, and I got no problem with you putting the CZW product over. No problem at all. But when you bury the fucking past and you pretend like what you know is fucking gospel because it used to be bullshit and now it's good because of DJ, go fuck yourself. You're a dick-sucking Mark motherfucker who doesn't know a goddamn thing. Go print up a fucking T-shirt that says that shit. Print up a fucking blog that says that shit. 
have David Starr, DJ Hyde, and every other fucking mark for themselves wrestler in the fucking in the locker room go share that fucking status. It's fucking bullshit. That's what that is. So anyway, I'm gonna take another break, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna come back and I'll write about some more fucking things. All right. <laughs> oh man. Uh, some papoose. There's a courage about it. Doesn't look like a killer. DJ White Out comes across so calm. <laughs> Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? You know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Think you know my with a red baseball? Dogger! Dogger! Sethication Mac 11 Hell AK 47 Heaven R.I.P. Richard Dawn Who? Hip hop is something that was created for half not so they can make something out of themselves and have guap. Wrote my name in back of my head under my flat top. Different color capsules were scattered outside of crack box. Had to go to Bushwick, we took the cab to Hancock. We ain't paid the driver, we jumped out when the cab stopped. Had to prove you had hand skills. We used to slap box. Police carry 38, they didn't have blocks. Kind of sick white white man got the ab lock. Need me a key so I can open this padlock. You was on a team, but not in Kobe or Shaq spot. You was there to make people laugh. You just a mascot, strong with a revolver, O'Sheen holding the Mac top. That was a backdrop in my video when the smack drop. Speed up to today, this is the era of laptops. Corny rappers, Instagram philosophers, a snapshot. Crabs in the barrel, out. I made it out when the crab stopped. Trying to pull me down. Goodbye to the back block. Bought the best truck, my bitch was driving the black drop. BMW with the L rims in the rag top. Yeah, you put in work, social network. You ain't like me, I put in loaded tech work. You pop bottles with your niggas for the past few weeks. But that don't make him your man, cause he passed you drink. I don't know what the fuck you smoke that done had you get. It could be so hot, they swear they seen a statue blink. Yeah, the words in your tattoo deep, but you don't live by them words, so your tattoo weak. I smell poop. Is that you, sheesh? I guess nobody never told you how bad you stink. I've heard you thinking Papu sweet. Why don't you act off your thoughts if it's that you think? You better stop sleeping on me. I pack two heat. You ain't gonna never wake up if I catch you sleep. I give a goon some work just to clap you free. Get you hit for an ounce or is that too cheap? Get at you, Chris. I beat blood out of you. Then wash the blood off my hands in the bathroom sink. Dugger. Um, I meant to also mention R.I.P. to B.B. King, man. Um. Absolute fucking legend. Lost another good one. Um, tonight is actually the last show of uh, David Letterman, which I, I you know, I, I really don't care a tremendous amount about. But um, it's, you know, it's obviously a pretty monumental thing. I mean, the guy's been on the air forever. And, um, you know, pretty tremendous fucking thing. I've heard a lot about it on Howard. I'm a huge Howard fan, and he's a huge fan of his. So, um, you know. It's pretty big shit there. Um, another dude who's been doing shit forever, and um, I forgot to mention this earlier in the show, but um, earlier today, I just bought fucking tickets to go see Weird Al Yankovic, man. This is a guy who I've been a fan of since I was a kid. I'm not a big concert-going guy, so I've never really went out of my way to go see anybody. Um, he, um, you know, was cracking my shit up doing fucking Michael Jackson parodies back in fucking you know, the 80s, um, 
dude absolutely kills it. Um, he's got a tremendously quick wit. I mean, the guys, you know, people put out hits, and, you know, a month or two later, he's got fucking parodies to him. Um, he's always played a pretty clean, straight, you know, straightforward route, but he, he covers all genres as far as that shit goes. And, I mean, if you look at the work he's put in over the years, um, he's really actually a, a great musician. If you look at, you know, the amount of different things that he has to parody and come up with and hit, um, you know, the musical similarity of all the different genres he has to hit. I mean, the dude is very fucking talented and just hilarious to me. Um, so um, he's going to be at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank. That's uh, where I actually saw Bill Burr. And um, I fucking bought tickets uh, today. So I'm at, and I'm bringing my 11 year old too because I think that's just a tremendous thing for her to see, you know, in her childhood, just be able to see a guy that I watched in my childhood, and and you know I played some of his recent shit, his his last album, it cracked her shit up because, you know, he's parodying parodying all the stuff that she's hearing on the radio, you know, the Robin Thicke stuff, this and that. So um, I think it's just going to be a great experience, and that's July 28th. Um, I don't know how many tickets there are left, but if anybody else wants to go, you know, check that dude out, I recommend you do that. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to, um, get into, and I know this is, um, somewhat of a sensitive topic because there's a lot of people who shit on this type of wrestling. Um, and I have my feelings about that. Um, I posted a um a highlight video that came across online of a match that Andrew Everett and Ricochet had in Pro Wrestling Gorillas Don't Sweat the Technique. And um, you know, I mean the the sequences in this match are just absolutely you know, athleticism in its finest, um, just fucking banana shit, right? Um this, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of this this rant is is going to be steered in the direction of Niles Young, although a lot of other people feel this this way, and I, I really feel this way towards, you know, just the overall opinion on it. So I'm going to touch on a lot of that, um, because he was the one that jumped on this fucking uh, grenade, so to speak. He's going to catch, you know, the majority of the shrapnel off of this. And I'm not going out of my way to bury the guy. I like the guy personally. But I'll also tell you that I've never been entertained by a Niles Young match. So, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go forward with this and um, just say this. Uh, He did one of the most passive-aggressive fucking things that I've ever seen and what he'd do on fucking Facebook. And uh, it, it irritates me to no end when people do this. You post something that you enjoy. Someone else jumps on your status and goes, hey, I don't want to argue, and then immediately tells you what a piece of shit what you just posted is. There's no way for you to not be arguing when you have an opposite standpoint of the somebody else who's enjoying something that you're enjoying. That, that you're not enjoying. You have the right to not like anything you want. That's perfectly fine. I understand that. 
but don't lead a conversation with, I'm not trying to argue. I mean, you, you get these people all the fucking time. They'll walk into your place of business and they'll go, I don't want to complain, but the next thing that comes after the word but is a complaint. You know what I mean? This is this is the ridiculous fucking thing that goes on. I don't want to complain, but the guy back there gave me quite an attitude when I was, you know what I mean? This is the, it's super passive aggressive bullshit. Just might as, just commit to your motherfucking argument and, and start getting into it. You're not allowed to fucking come on somebody else's shit and, and be like, yo, I don't want any response back from this, but what you just said is garbage. It's like, well, fucking dude, I'm either going to go, you're right, I fucking suck. Or you're going to hear a rebuttal, obviously, so I'm not going to go. And there are a lot of fucking dick suckers. There are tons of dick suckers online that if they can post something, they can post a picture of their mom. And if a wrestler showed up and was like, fuck that bitch, they're going to be like, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, You know, I, I do like the Bullet Club more than I like that bitch. Fuck her. Yeah, fuck. You're right. Yeah, Bullet Club for life. Fuck that. Like, if AJ Styles showed up on your fucking profile and was like, yo, Bullet Club, fuck your mom, they'd be like, yeah, you're right. Fuck my mom. Yeah, she's a bitch. Yeah. I don't know why I posted this picture. I didn't even like the picture. You know, you'll get a lot of those fucking wrestling fans online that just fucking take whatever stance that a wrestler has. So if you show up on their page, and you want your ego boosted, just fucking say whatever you want. And and just watch them. It's like fucking like the Pied Piper. There's all these assholes just fucking following them through the streets. Like, oh, my God, you wrestle? It's awesome. Like, and that, that's fine, whatever, but I'm not I'm not one of those guys. You're never going to find me being one of those guys that's going to flim-flam and flip-flop on their actual opinion on things because somebody else didn't like what I posted. That's, that's not the fucking guy I'm going to be. So if you step on my fucking... On, on something that I'm doing, you're going to get my genuine reaction. Not me trying to be a dick, not me doing anything to offend you, because I didn't say a motherfucking thing until you said something. So expect a response the way that I would respond. You know what I mean? Like, the, that's that's the way that this went. You know, and it, it, I mean, it took a turn where he got offended and shit, but I'm sorry, this is this is the way things fucking go when you decide to speak on my my cat is deciding that he he wants to speak on a show. This is Senshi. He he found a pipe cleaner because um that's actually a toy that cats like quite a bit, and um they're cheap. So if you get a couple pipe cleaners and you fucking crank them up, throw them on the floor. Not all cats like them, but the cats that like them fucking love them. They flip them around and shit. So anyway, um, so his his statement was this. Definitely not trying to start a debate or an argument or even insult anybody here, but this is not, all caps, not professional wrestling. It is indeed athleticism at its finest, however, not professional wrestling. Sorry, I respect the things I could do, but the buck stops there. Okay, so, I mean, you're taking what these guys are doing and saying it's not professional wrestling. Now, The first thing I want to say in rebuttal to this is this. The high spot wrestling, to me, what I see it as is, especially like what they were doing in the ring, combination of that high-impact Japanese-style wrestling and Lucha Libre. 
because Lucha Libre has a lot of, you know, flip, land on your feet, you know, this, land on your feet, counter this, counter that, where there's not as many bumps going on. So you combine that with the big fucking bump on your head shit, and that's that's kind of what I think a lot of this, you know, like the PWG-style stuff is. I think it's it's somewhat of a merge of those two styles. So, in a sense, I mean, you can easily say that, in your opinion, the Lucha Libre is not wrestling because they they're not they're not uh, they don't you don't feel they're telling a story. They're doing a lot of flipping and landing on their feet, and it's, it's not that's not you know a long super long rest hold and. He's not slowly working the arm and fucking whispering in his ear for a half hour and, you know, talking about his fucking weekend while he's laying on the mat with you and caressing your hair and, you know, John with the ref. I mean, this storytelling shit, listen, if you're that type of purist and you're that type of person that goes, I need a match to work a slow pace and tell a story and this and this and this, I mean that's on you, but and then just just to go, um, let me just jump ahead to the next comment, said, and then I'll continue what I was saying. And then I said, eh, it is what it is. It's a highlight vid, but that's not the whole match. I think it's a different style of wrestling, but to say it's not wrestling is silly. Then he said, I never said it wasn't wrestling, just not pro wrestling. Okay, first off, if you're a professional. You know, if you're getting paid to do something, you're getting flown all over the country and all over the world for that matter. You're a professional. We don't get to just say, okay, well, you're you're a wrestler, but you're not a pro wrestler. Get the fuck out of here. Fucking Niles Young. So uh, then he goes, it's not pro wrestling. It, it might be wrestling, but it's not pro wrestling. I'd like to believe in pro wrestling. It has always been a tradition to make it seem like a real rational logical fight is taking place. Rationally, logic, psychology, selling, and storytelling are not, he he just capitalizes every time he says not, not present in the sequence of most of these type of matches. Call it wrestling du soleil or circus du soleil for all I care. This is choreographed nonsense backed with no character, charisma, or acknowledgement of the audience. Now will come the argument about what draws, what sells, and who's more popular. Yeah, I get it. I can't do a double moonsault, but I'll live longer and be a better professional wrestler for it, is what he says. Now, here's my thing. The part where wrestlers decide it doesn't matter what draws, it doesn't matter what the fans like, it doesn't matter what popularity is, is the most ridiculous fucking argument I've ever heard in my life. Because bottom line is, wrestling doesn't exist if you don't find something that the crowd is actually into. Here's a random handful of DVDs that I just pulled out of the um, out of, out of my uh, my cabinet, the old uh, old CZW stuff. All right, let me see. What is this? Um, Let's see. Trying to see a good one. I I should have planned this a little better, but I didn't. All right. Um, This is um, Trapped 
CZW Trapped. A lot of people shit on this show. This was the one that they did the whole thing in the uh, in the cage. But um, part of this, uh, okay, what, what made me buy this DVD? Well, that would be the all-out war that they had. They called it all-out war. And it was Frankie the Mobster, Kevin Steen, Lefisto, and El Generico versus Joker, Sabian, geez, Ruckus, and Robbie Marino versus The Hate Club and Eddie Kingston. So that was fucking action-packed, fucking spot-fest, bang-out shit right there. That's what made me buy that fucking DVD. Um, although, you know, Sanjay versus Drew Gulak versus Andy Sumner versus Derek Frazier was a good match in the beginning of the card, I wouldn't have bought the DVD to see that match again. Um, and that match wasn't without spots either. I'm just saying this is what sells that. So if you decide you would rather everything stay pure and no spots happen and there's no, you know, um, there's no need for any of that, well, then the DVDs aren't sold. Then the guys don't make money. Then do you see what I mean? Um, I mean, this, this card right here, Violent by Design, first match on there, Beef Wellington versus Niles Young. No one bought the DVD to see Beef Wellington versus Niles Young. I don't give a shit what story you feel that you, you've been telling your career that makes you a better professional wrestler. People don't buy DVDs for your matches. People don't show up to CZW shows because of what you put out there. If the product you put out there does not sell tickets, does not draw people, does not make people watch the product, you are not a better wrestler than the people who are being paid to to be seen. The people who are selling tickets and fucking DVDs, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But that is why the fucking business exists. You can't separate A and B. You can't. I mean, you can go A. Okay, just say we're fucking, we're slow headlock, work the arm wrestling federation, right? How long do you think that shit's going to stay afloat? Fucking work. We're just going to work, you know, fucking work the arm. Fucking really slow build. You know, and make sure that we tell a story, take a good story. I mean, the fucking movie You Got Mail told a fucking story. I didn't give a fuck or, or watch that either. You know, there's a lot of fucking stories that are told. You know, I, I don't give a fuck about every story. Not everybody gives a fuck about every story. And, I mean, you convincing yourself that whatever story you're telling in the ring is more meaningful than fucking Andrew Everett tearing it up with fucking Trevor Lee out there or tearing it up with fucking Ricochet, it, that's somehow more meaningful and everybody should hold more value in, your, in, in what you're putting out there is fucking asinine, absolutely asinine. A lot of what your style is, is comprised of, a lot of what you're trying to put out there is what Trent Acid put out there. And Trent Acid had a million times more charisma. Trent Acid relied on a lot of fucking spots in his match. He did his stalling, he did it, but he had his fucking spots all over that fucking match. 
Ben Affleck had those tear spots he used pretty pretty frequently. He used a lot of fucking big bump spots in his matches. And I understand you mean, you know, psychology can build to big bump spots and stuff like that. I do understand that. But the constant fucking, like I said, the back and forth, that's more, you know, reminiscent of a Lucha Libre style, doesn't make it not wrestling. It makes it a style of wrestling that you may not enjoy. And that's completely fine. You can enjoy what you want to have. But the same argument that would be made for someone saying, hey, what you do isn't wrestling because you were in the ring with a weed whacker. Now you have to go, wait, 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 wait. No, no, you don't understand the story. People are going to go, fuck your story. That's what I mean. The, you know, the match between Ricochet and Andrew Everett. Some people, uh, people who don't like that type of wrestling don't want to, they want to hear that what the fans are seeing what the fans are looking at as a story is there two guys trying to one-up each other with athleticism. That's the story I see. These two are trying to one-up each other with athleticism. The one guy's hitting a fucking move. The other guy's like, oh, yeah, you fucking do that. Watch me do that. The fucking head scissors. You know, the the reverse ranas. Next thing you know, the other guy hits the reverse rana to one-up the other guy. And, And it's going tit for tat until one guy gets enough of an edge to get a pen. I know they're not laying on the mat for fucking 20 minutes. I know they're not working the arm all, all match. They're selling fucking DVDs. The crowd is fucking ballistic. The fucking building is exploding. And, you know, a statement was made in this uh, in this little back and forth thing here that said, um, you know, it's people like you that are liking this thing that are destroying wrestling. That That's such an asinine fucking comment because that, that could speak for anything. That could say that, you know, if fucking people didn't like all that deathmatch shit, that we wouldn't be headed down a hardcore path. Because if CCW never went down the hardcore route that kept the fans drawn, there wouldn't have been a fucking CCW. CCW wouldn't have just existed off of the other, the other pure wrestling type of stuff. There's a lot of companies that try to go that pure wrestling route, and they try to keep it low on spots and this and that. It doesn't fucking work. The things that do fucking sell and keep these companies afloat are those type of wrestling. That's what allows you to have a bullshit match with a guy with chin fat on the fucking card. The company wouldn't exist for you to have that match that everybody hates. It wouldn't exist. You could fucking hate it. At the end of your career, you could fucking go, well, I worked a goddamn good match. Nobody but you and your friends can name that fucking match because no one gives a fuck about the product you're putting out there. Like I said, Niles Young has never wrestled a match that I had. I, I told anybody under the fucking sun, you got to see that match. Never. Never. Oh, the fucking story told in that match was something. Nobody. Nobody gives a fuck. So I hate to break it to you because that's the fucking truth. And that's not me being a dickhead. That's not me pissing on your career. That's the fucking truth. And if, the people didn't exist that did these fucking flips and all that. Maybe your matches would look good. Maybe wrestling wouldn't exist. Maybe fucking wrestling wouldn't have 25, you know, successful companies across the fucking U.S. You know, maybe DVDs wouldn't sell. Maybe iPay-per-views wouldn't exist. Maybe a lot of things wouldn't exist. The WWE just put on a fucking NXT show tonight that was um, Steam versus Generico. Fetch you the fucking spots, 
spots were flying in that match, but I guess that's the fucking downfall of wrestling because that's not wrestling. But somehow it'll be explained, well, there was enough story in there, but not enough story because the other guys were flipping too much. And, you know, I, I just think that's fucking crazy. And I, and I wish instead of fucking attacking the fans that are enjoying the fucking products that they enjoy, you go fucking stand in front of Andrew Everett, stand in front of Trevor Lee, stand in front of Ricochet. When they walk in the locker room, fucking stop them at the door and say you're not a professional wrestler and see how long you exist in the fucking business because they're not going to keep letting you in the locker room with the guys who are selling fucking tickets and shitting on them to their face. You know what I mean? Rather than that, you go behind and you try to shit on fans' enjoyment. But that's fine. I mean, you can do what you want. You can wrestle whatever style you want for as long as you want until you're done doing it. Um, Another thing he wrote at the end of the thing, the two things he regrets in professional wrestling is, one, getting involved in it, commenting on this status. So it's like, dude, you're already packeted in, taking a loss as a whole, saying you wish you never got involved in wrestling. If you ask the fucking guys who are busting their fucking ass, taking fucking neck bumps, doing fucking double moonsaults. If they love wrestling or not, they tell you they fucking love wrestling. So you're admitting they're working harder. You're telling me that you're going to live longer. You're telling me that you're going to be a better wrestler, but you're also the guy who's saying you wish you weren't involved in it. So there's so much fucking bitterness involved there, and instead of just seeing it as a different style, you're just taking that fucking same standpoint as a lot of people do on deathmatch wrestling and saying, that's not professional wrestling. What I do is professional wrestling. I've, I had fucking, I, you know who else I had fucking making that same exact argument to me online until I fucking blocked him because he was so fucking irritating is fucking Peter B. Beautiful. Peter B. Beautiful was explaining to me how fucking stories need to be told and how psychology needs to be done and how that's not wrestling and psychology in his matches. Peter B. Beautiful is only known for Ian Rotten beating the living shit out of him when he wouldn't stop running his fucking mouth online and then fucking showed up to wrestle him a couple times. That's all fucking Peter B. Beautiful is known for. He runs a wrestling company, and he is a mark for himself. You'll see him on all those deathmatch wrestling boards, on all those deathmatch wrestling pages, defend deathmatch wrestling, blah, 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 blah posting his own fucking picture, links to his own fucking matches, putting himself over when nobody gives a fuck about anything that that guy's doing. That guy works the same fucking stab him in the head, fucking blade, fucking bullshit death matches that have no fucking, no entertaining value to it. No, like, holy shit, did you see that? It's just like fucking, again, work the arm, slow headlock, at some point the guy bleeds, fucking, you know, jaw with the ref, this and that. That fucking, if that's the story, that's the legitimate way to wrestle. That's the traditional, that shit got old a long time ago. How many times are you going to tell the fucking same story and and swear to the world that that's the only way to be? You know, uh, I mean, you shit on, oh, don't tell me that's the evolution of wrestling. And it, it just, it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. I mean, it, there's there's things that entertain people. Just let them be fucking entertained. Again, I think there's a lot of jealousy to that because if those things didn't exist, if, so if no one on the planet could do a double fucking moonsault, your normal moonsault would be the fucking shit. 
if nobody on the world can do two fucking reverse Ronas, uh, normal Rana that you pulled off would be the shit. That's the thing. When people start moving past you, all of a sudden it becomes offensive. You know, your move set stops being cool. Well, shit. I mean, if we went back to old school fucking sleeper body slam finishes, how many fucking people would be entertained by that? You got fucking Hollywood blockbuster movies with fucking CGI movie, you know, fucking 18 cars blowing up, guys jumping off of fucking huge buildings, fucking pulling some shit out of their pocket, flying to fucking safety. You got all these different, you know, crazy shit going on, fucking dinosaurs busting out in fucking 3D, chasing a motherfucker down a path, you know, another dinosaur jumping out of the side of the fucking thing, eating that motherfucker, you know, crazy Jurassic Park shit. I mean, you you got all this fucking tremendous entertainment out there, and you think that wrestling should still exist off a fucking body slam and sleeper finish because that's pure wrestling. Wrestling wouldn't exist. If that was the case, it'd be your fucking 25 fans like it is on a shindy show, and, and that would be it. That would be it. I mean, you could hate that. You can go back. Go back and watch old school wrestling because that's where it exists. It just, it's not the fucking same. You can't just go like, hey, this used to be the store. I used to come and buy the paper. Why are they selling all this new bullshit here? Well, if the new bullshit's keeping the store open, fucking, sorry, that, that's what that fucking store is turned into. You, you, can't, you can't have both. You can't have both. Where the fucking traditional wrestling that quote-unquote tells such a story is not what sells the fucking tickets but it means something to you, well, I mean, that's that's great for you, but unless you're going to fund the fucking company, get used to it. And you could say it's killing wrestling, but it's thriving pretty fucking well as far as the um, the packed houses go and shit like that. I mean, that's your, your sentimental attachment to what used to be wrestling is dying in your heart. Oh, my condolences. Go buy some fucking flowers. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, but the fucking butthurt, and, you know, like I said, it's it's not all about Niles. It's really not. It, a lot of fucking people feel this way, and this is the same way I fucking feel. It doesn't have to be for you. There's tons of fucking entertainment out there for fucking everybody. But thinking it's going to go away and it's just going to be easier to fucking get over in a match is, is not the fucking way it's going to happen. It, it's just not the way it's going to happen. You know? I mean, it it would be no different if, you know, old-timey old fucking movies didn't advance and, and just like a fist fight in the street scene was as, as action-packed as it got. You know, punch, whack, whack, fucking, you know, little bullshit stunts, no, you know, no big fancy stuff. And then you have another movie that comes out fucking crazy over-the-top special effects and this and that. And the person making those other movies just said, no, oh, that's bullshit. That's not the way it's done. Go back to that old school style is what you should do. Well, good luck with that, bud. I mean, it's just, it's not it's not reality, and people just continually get butt hurt over it. Some people roll with it and just see it as another form of entertainment they don't like. Some people get continually butt hurt and fucking shit on it. I also thought the fucking hero versus um, Tommy End match on that same show was fucking bananas. Definitely. Definitely the same people would think the same thing about those matches. That's not wrestling. They're just hitting each other a lot. 
there's not a lot of laying on their face and whispering in each other's ears. They're, fuck, I mean, it's just, hey, man, it, it was entertaining as fuck to me. They were trying to out-fucking, you know, out-strike each other and shit. And the match was fucking brutal. Loved it. That's what makes me watch wrestling, man. And it doesn't have to be for you. It just doesn't, you know. I mean, I leave those little fucking matches that you have alone. I'm not entertained by them at all, but I'm not fucking showing up if someone posted and goes, that was bullshit. Fucking do some flips, fag. Like, that's, you know, that's not what I'm doing. But it's the people who are doing these bullshit matches that are showing up on fucking entertaining things and going, that shit. I, I don't know. I just, I, I really find it unnecessary. And it's a, it's a pretty consistent trend. Um, like I said, I, I'd rather you, you took it to the, uh, took it to the wrestlers themselves. If you want to have this revolution of what should be and whatever. And go approach everybody who's fucking doing these matches and, and run them out of the business for not being professional wrestlers. If you're not alone in this, it should be it should be very easy to get all the pure wrestlers together and and tell them how it is. But I mean, it it seems at least from from my perspective and from what I've heard that they're all pretty uh pretty welcome in the business. And um, you know, Sami Zayn doing pretty fucking well for himself. Uh, Hawk who is a huge, huge spot guy, one of the best high flyers in the business. I think he's doing pretty fucking good for himself. Um, you know what I mean? So, like I said, I, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, but all all the uh, the stats and what seems to be succeeding seems to be speaking for itself. I don't know. So, anyway, um, I think that's all I got for this week. I got... um. Possible guest next week. We'll see what's up. I'm having a little bit of communication problems, but uh, you know, hopefully it all shakes out. And then um, I definitely have some more shit to talk about next week, man. Um, I'm actually Sunday. I'm doing a going to a, a barbecue fucking horseshoe tournament. Shit, I haven't played horseshoes in years. So um, yeah, oh, fuck, man. It's gonna be pretty entertaining. Um, so yeah, big uh, Memorial Day weekend and everything, and. Uh, that means uh, barbecuing, and Monday's a half day for me, so I get to do some shit, you know, get some stuff done in the yard. Because all the little barbecue things I'm doing, uh, getting into, is over the weekend. So I'll go eat some food over uh, the neighbor's house, and then go over and eat some food and throw some horseshoes at the uh, cross town on Sunday, and uh, half day at work on Monday. So I'll come home, do some yard work, maybe replant some shit, uh, you know some stuff to do but um but yeah check out uh the sports den they should be doing the show tonight they'll have a lot to talk about and um let me see um what else i got check out what um what andrew's doing i don't know if he's uh doing any shows i haven't seen anything uh star nation that's my dudes over there um i think that's about all i got but uh if anything man check me out next week Appreciate everybody listening, and I'll talk to you then. Peace.